If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalms 23. Psalms 23. We've already a good message on uh, Romans chapter 6. I love that chapter. It's the key and the victory over self and sin and this world. Uh, those four words will change your life or applying those four words. Psalms 23 in your Bible tonight. And we're going to uh, be in our seventh, I believe, maybe eighth uh, message on uh, ways to evaluate your life from God's perspective. Now, it's either judgment later or judgment now. And you, it's best to judge yourself now and not face the judgment seat of Christ empty-handed and definitely not go to the great white throne judgment and perish forever in eternal fire. Uh, we need to judge ourselves as sinners that cannot save ourselves and that we need to be saved by the grace of God. And uh, one of the evidence of uh, being um, close to the Lord and, and full of the Spirit of God is love. And then there was humility and obedience, communion, intercession. Um, our words, that was a, that was a pungent message, uh, evaluates where we're at with the Lord. What we say and how we say it and the reactions that we say it. Uh, this has been a real tough time on a lot of people. Um, I know some people that are very, very sick tonight. I'm very burdened for And I pray they don't have that virus. And because of the two testimonies I've heard about this virus is you don't want to get it. But they also said he wanted to die. And I talked to a, uh, heard a lady today testify and said, I was good for two days, and then after two days, I just wanted to die because it hurt so bad. And so you don't want it. So, I mean, the best thing to do is, is take precaution. Uh, it might be inconvenient. I want to tell you something, a mast is easier than a ventilator. Amen. And one day you'll know that. One day you'll know that uh, when you get this perspective of this thing. But it is tough. And I'm very concerned. And I'm very concerned about this spike. You saw it's because of more testing. No, it's not. It's because of foolish rioters, uh, not dissing, and people going to the beach and going back to a normal life. We can't do it right now. Uh, this Myrtle Beach went from 230 to 2,300 three weeks, cases, Myrtle Beach. And that wasn't the people they sent all over the world. That was just people in the community that went into the beach area and partied and danced and went to the bars and, and didn't social distance. So it's real, 230 to 2,300 in three weeks. That is amazingly contagious. And so I hope you all taking this serious. And I said that because I've been shook up this week and especially here the testimony of Brother Austin Gardner uh, Sunday night, I just could not imagine. They sent me a picture that's not published of him on the ventilator, and it was the most terrible picture I've ever seen in my life. I wasn't supposed to get it, but I bribed the missionary to let me have a picture of it because I was about to pull it on somebody that thought this was all political. I want to show him it's not political when you get it. Amen? So whatever you do, be careful, especially you uh, um, folks that are around a lot of people. Amen? That's why we try to be cautious on the way in, on the way out. We don't fellowship in the, in the uh, driveways or the parking lots. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I don't want to do this. Ain't no way I want to do this junk. Uh, I'm a fellowship person. Uh, we had the retreat, and uh, we had a, uh, the last Sunday before we shut this all down, we was all at gondoliers, 50 of us. We took over the whole restaurant. And I think it was Kevin's first Sunday back or something. I don't know what it was. We just look for we look we look for a reason to party at this church, amen. 
And so this is not fun. This is not, if you think I'm enjoying this, you got another thought coming. I, I can't stand it. Uh, I'm a social person. Some of you, it fits you perfect. You don't socialize, you don't hug, you don't shake hands, you don't even speak. So you're just fine, you know, but people like that are real, you know, uh, touchy and huggy and close and talkative, it's about to kill us. But we're going to carry on and folks don't lose heart and don't get mad at each other. Don't leave the church and go find a regular service because it might be an irregular service if you catch it. Amen. Come on. I'm just saying, friend, I'm going to be as, as blunt as I can in the next few weeks to protect you. And I'm, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm going to talk to the deacon Sunday afternoon. We might make it mandatory that you wear a mask. We might just do it. Uh, because I'm going to tell you something. I want to protect you. And you say, well, it's my right. No, it's your right to stay at home. And it's your right to be courteous towards others. Somebody on uh, the day at, on Channel 2 said this. It's just good citizenship to wear a mask in Atlanta. They're trying to pass it for the whole Atlanta. And I said, what in the world does that mean? He says, because you're trying to be considered and courteous of that person that you could give it to. He said, well, I ain't got it. You don't know. You, you might have, there might be somebody sitting right here who's got it. It really might be. And it's happened in our church. You know, folks, there's people died. 11th Avenue, it's the funniest thing happened Sunday night. They had uh, one person die and three people get sick. And so they're very strict. And they put a thermometer on your head when you go to the door. And um, they also hand out masks to make you wear a mask till you get to the pew. That's an independent, fundamental, anti-against-everything Baptist church like us. You know, praise God, we ain't going to tell Nobody tell us what to do. You know, they're the same way. And uh, it was so funny. Um, Amy got to the door and they wouldn't let her in. And, and Mark was presenting the work Sunday night because she had 106 fever. 106 fever because she was in a hot car waiting to get in and so that she had to cool down then she went back to the door and she passed and they let her in so we could be shooting you with a thermometer out there amen and so you know when you have somebody die in your assembly I guess you get a little strict amen so let's bear with this folks and let's be kind let's be considerate let's be courteous and let's just be let's just be happy behind your mask put a smiley face on your mask amen something but uh, let's, let's try to keep this together until this passes, which I don't think it'll be very soon. I think we're in for a little, little, little long haul until we get a vaccine. So that's my, that's my statement on, on safety tonight. Hope you appreciate it. And you probably won't get a thing out of the message because you're so mad. But look at uh, Psalms 23. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. I want to take that phrase tonight. He leadeth me beside the still waters. As I said, uh, your measurement of your life, the evaluation of your life can be one word, love, and then joy. That was the second week, I think. Uh, humility, that you cannot live the Christian life on your own strength. You're kidding yourself if you do. Uh, your words, your, your, um, your intercession, your communion, how much you pray evaluates your life. Well, I want to tell you another thing that evaluates your life. How much you let God lead you. I'm talking about guidance. So write it down. The measure of your life is by guidance. The Bible says in Psalms 23, verse 2, that he'll lead you beside the still waters. And he does it all for his namesake, praise God. Look at verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. There it is again, the shepherd leading. If you're a sheep, 
you ought to be led. That ought to be the characteristic of a good sheep. I'm talking about a good sheep. We don't want to be a bad sheep. We don't want to be a goat, that's for sure, and butt everything. We want to be a good sheep. That means we want to be a good Christian. We want to be spirit-filled. We want to be as close to the shepherd as possible. Say amen right there. And so the measure of your life and the normal Christian life is guided by the Spirit. God's guidance should be the daily experience of your life. God wants you to learn to recognize his voice. God wants you to listen and be useful for God, and it depends on your being empowered by God's Spirit, and by his Spirit, you submit to his leadership. I'm glad that we're called disciples. That means follower. That means trainee. And folks, I want to tell you something. We're called witnesses. Acts 1.8 says that, uh, we're witnesses, and the only way to be a witness is follow his leadership in witnessing. The children of Israel became wanderers instead of followers. They were rebellious, and it cost them greatly. It cost them their lives. That whole generation did not inherit the promised land because of rebellion. And so, folks, listen, the Spirit of God is here to lead. Let me give you two more verses in Psalms on our title page. Psalms 37 Psalms 37, verse 23. Would you turn there with me real quick? Psalms 37, verse, and that was a good 10-minute message. I'll tell you what, it can, it can take place, 10 minutes. But look at us, it's hard though. Psalms 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth, and he delighteth in his way. Folks, they're ordered by the Lord, but in order to be ordered by the Lord, you must submit to his orders. Amen? You must follow him. Without a doubt, that's one of the keys of evaluating your spirituality. Will you follow? Not will you be Mr. Macho and Mr. Dominant and Mr. Dictator, but will you be a spiritual follower? Will you submit your life to God and then say, follow me as I follow Christ? 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Might be 2 Corinthians 11, I think it's 1 Corinthians. But look at Psalms 119. The, the longest chapter in the Bible about the Bible and the importance of the Bible. Psalms 119, and look at verse uh, 133. The Bible says this. Um, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Order my steps in the word. Folks, I'm gonna tell you something. The will of God is not some mysterious, spooky feeling. The will of God is the Word of God. And the will of God is the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God will lead you into to, uh, uh, victory and lead you to souls and lead you to comfort people and prompt you and lead you and sway you and stop you and stay you and detour you and direct your path. That's the great part about the Christian life. You don't have to figure it out. All you got to do is follow it out. And you need to follow God and let God be who he is through you. Look at John 16, 13. And I'll give you just seven points and we'll go in about 10, 15 minutes. Let's call it 20. But look at this. John 16 and verse 13, please. John 16, verse 13. I really wish you would pray for the sick tonight because I'm really burdened for some people. And that's all I'll say until all the tests come in. John 16, 13. How be it when the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall speak of him, 
he shall not speak of himself. He don't want a Holy Ghost campaign. He don't want the Holy Ghost put on the sign. He wants Jesus to be put up on the sign. He says, he shall not speak of himself. Talking about the Holy Spirit, Spirit of truth. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. Look at that. The Spirit of truth has come to what? Guide you. You have a guide, a personal guide. He's the wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. The Bible says in John 14, 16, he's a comforter. Another word for comforter is paraclete in the Greek. It means a counselor that comes alongside. It's another Jesus. Amen. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He's the spirit of counsel. He's the spirit of wisdom. And it's all in vain unless you submit. And so you want to evaluate your life. How much do you follow God? Guidance. What is, who is the guide of your life? Most people, unfortunately, their guide is their feelings. If I feel like it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like it, I won't do it. Their guide is the, and this is bad on the, on the younger people's life, uh, the guide is what everybody else is doing. It's peer pressure. Folks, it's not what everybody else is doing. It's what God wants you to do with your life. I can't imagine this movement of rebellion against God of, of um, men becoming women, and they never will become women. Uh, and they ain't going to be ladies, I'll tell you that. And then folks, listen, and, and men marrying men and ladies, wear, marry, uh, women marrying women, that is about the most blunt rebellion against God the maker I've ever heard in my life. And you think those jaybirds are happy? They're not gay. They're not gay at all. Don't, don't steal that word. They're not gay. They're the saddest people on this earth, and so are you if you're out of the will of God. Didn't mean to put you in that same sentence. But it's the truth. Folks, the saddest person in the world is the, those that know to do good and do it not. Those that know the will of God and they're saying, I'll do what I want to do. I'll be stubborn. I'll do what I want to do. I have my rights. No, you don't have your rights. God has a right to do anything he wants to do in your life. And so, folks, he wants you to follow him. Matthew 4, 16 says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I love Matthew 16, 24. Let's read that and close and I'll just give you the Seven, seven little outline thoughts, practical points, really. Go to Matthew 16, 24, please. Matthew 16, 24. What a good message. Thank you, Brother Jason, for that. It says, then said Jesus and the disciples. Y'all with me? Matthew 16, 24. We're not palm readers, we're Bible readers. There's a palm reader right down there on Highway 136 going towards the camp. Y'all want to go uh, consult with her, you'll be very disappointed because she's a fake. But anyway, uh, I've been there, I know, not really. But look at verse 24. It says, and he said, Jesus said to his disciples, if any man will come after me, there's the key. If any man will come after me, what's it gonna take to be guided by the Lord and directed and redirected? It says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. We can go home right there and shout it out. That means reckon, that means yield, that means die to self. I'm crucified with Christ. But look at this. It says, and take up the cross. Take up the cross. And the cross is not the rheumatism in your right knee. The cross is identifying with God. And shame and reproach that you'll have to share because you represent the name of Jesus. Then it goes on to say, here it is, last three words, and follow me. And follow me. I'm gonna close with about seven practical things to help you realize 
if you're really being guided by the Lord. Number one, I want you to say you measure your nearness to God by your guidance. In uh, Genesis 18, 17, he said, I'm not going to keep the secrets from Abraham because he's going to be a mighty nation. I'm going to tell him what he needs to do. I'm going to guide him. And some of it was very hard times, like trying to, t trying to figure out why he wanted him to sacrifice his seed at Mount Moriah. That was a very hard time. And then traveling, not knowing where he was going, when he was going to get there, and why he was going. He just left it all. And thank God he was converted out of being a moon worshiper, a heathen. You're a Chaldees and, and traveled to from south Iraq all the way to the promised land and possessed it for Christ. That took a lot of faith. Folks, listen, you measure your nearness to God. You'll be his best friend, but you'll be more than his best friend. You will be his son or his daughter. And he'll be your father, our father which art in heaven. He'll guide you intimately. I miss my daddy so much. He, he gave me great advice. And he was a good daddy when he was sober. And then after he got saved at age 63, thank God he really changed. And I wanted to come home instead of run away from home all those years. But I tried to get out of that house of drunkenness and, and um, heartache. And thank God he got saved. But I want to tell you something, friend. Uh, everybody needs a father. And a fatherless country is falling apart. And the statistics are terrible about all the crimes of fatherless children. Father, you're important. I'm going to tell you why. You're the leader. Then say you're the dictator. You're the leader. And you ought to be a spiritual leader. You ought to be a man. Amen? You shouldn't let the woman lead the house. That's what's wrong today. We've got a lot of women leading the house, and these, and these boys grow up as sissies. Folks, what we need to do is men. We need to be tough. We need to be courageous. We need to make some decisions and stand by them. And folks, I want to tell you something. That's what God's called you to do. And never does that mean you be a dictator. That means you're a loving leader. You're so much like Christ that your wife loves to submit to you. You're so much like Christ, your children love to submit to you. And when there's an absence of the Father, there is a foothold and a floodgate for the devil to get in your home. Men be men. But folks, I want to tell you something. You'll never be a man unless you submit to God as a child to the Heavenly Father. The greatest leader in this, in this sanctuary is the greatest servant. Christ was a servant. He wasn't standing up for his rights. He just went all the way to the cross so you could be saved. Number two, uh, we need to measure our sensitivity to God by our guidance. Uh, the Bible says we can be sensitive. Now, there's a lot of sensitivity going on today. I've heard so much debate, and I've been caught in the crossfire of it, even in our church, you know, uh, you know anti-restrictions, uh, and then we're not strict enough. Some people are not coming because we're not strict enough, and some people are coming because we're too strict. They don't like that blue tape. Neither do I. God help us. We didn't, we didn't remodel this place to tape it, but we got to do what we got to do. Amen. I wish I'd stop defending myself, but I'm just saying measure your sensitivity, not how sensitive you are to others that won't go along with your plan, not how sensitive you are when somebody hurts your feelings, but sensitive to God. And we need to be sensitive to God. We need to be responsive to God. Look at Isaiah 30, verse 21. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Man, I got to hurry. You sure you only preached 10 minutes? But look at this. We prayed a long time. That's great. 
I don't apologize for any of that. Amen. We're here for prayer meeting. Isaiah 30, please, and verse 21. I should have marked it, I'm sorry, but it's in the Old Testament, I promise you. Last time I checked. It says, it says, through the voice of the Lord shall the Assyrians be beaten down, shall smote with a rod. I want to tell you this, friend. God's voice is powerful. Don't argue with God. God leads his children alone. And God doesn't leave his children alone. Look back at verse 21. I was in the wrong verse. That, that, that sounds good, though. Look at verse 21. And it says, Thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. When ye turn to the, uh, it says, when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left. So folks, listen to God. I want to ask you a question. Have you heard God this week? And I'm not talking about some spooky voice. I'm talking about that still, small voice of leading you. Pick up the phone and call Howard. Pick up the phone and call so-and-so. The other morning, I, I woke up with a burden for somebody. And I said, Miss, I said, Miss, I said, Connie, you need to call this lady. She's been in prison for four months and that she will not even go outside to, to shop. She won't go to the grocery store. And, uh, and everybody in the house is just full of fear. And it's just, it's just, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine living in that much fear that you wouldn't, you're paralyzed. And so many things happen in her life. And my heart went out to her and we had prayer for her. You know, and I think God lays people on your heart at that moment to do something about it, to write a card, to pick up the phone. We still, I don't think we're going to catch it over the phone, are we? Amen. I, don't, I think we can call somebody and be compassionate. How are you doing? I, I miss you, you know. Called Brother Howard uh, Clore the other day, and he said, man, I don't know when this is ever going in. He said, it's you know, the nerve blocks didn't work and the shingles in my ears driving me nuts and sometimes I just don't want to live. And I said, well, Brother Howard, we miss you. It's gonna, we're gonna, you're going to get better. And folks, I want to tell you something. I'm not bragging on myself, but the Holy Spirit told me to stop everything I was doing and call him. Have you ever been led sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Romans 8, 28 says this about the Spirit of God. Romans 8, 28. You know, I mean, 8, 26 Romans 8.26, y'all know Romans 8.28. We know that all things work together. But look at Romans 8.26, and um, this will bless your heart about leading, lead, letting the Lord lead you and guide you. Romans 8, and look at verse 26. The Bible says this. It says, likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. Got a lot of that going around. For we know not what we should pray for. As we all. You ever been that way? You knelt down and said, well, I don't know what to pray for. The food? You know, God is good. God is great. Dig in and eat, you know. Is that the only time we really want to pray? Look at this. But, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That's not prayer times. It says it cannot be uttered. That means God searches the heart, verse 27, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints. Here's the intercession for the saints according to the what? The will of God. And then it says, for we know, there's that word, that all things work together for the good of them that love God and called according to his purpose for whom he did foreknowledge. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son. We might be the firstborn among many brethren. You know what that's saying? All things work together for you to be like Christ. 
And before everything works together, he puts you on your knees and you pray in the Spirit. And you move by the Spirit and you're guided by the Spirit. I ain't got time to, to, to uh, dwell with this, but I'm going to tell you something. John chapter 10 verse 27 sums it up. If you really want to know if you're saved or not, you know his voice. You know his voice. John 20, 10, 27 says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And what do they do? They follow me. So if you want to evaluate your Christian life, do you follow him? Are you led by him? Are you near him enough to hear his voice? Are you sensitive to his guidance? And the Bible says in verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand, of my Father's hand. Look at verse 30, John 10. I and my Father are one. And his prayer in John 17 is that you'd be one with him. And so number uh, three, you measure your guidance by the small details of your life and witness. You know, God can lead you how to travel to work. God can lead you to who to speak to. God can lead you to who to encourage. God can lead you in the little things of life, just the little decisions that you'll look back and say, man, that was a great decision. That was a phenomenal decision. I mean, there's big decisions like who to marry and where to work and where to go to school but I want to tell you something, every day God gives you thousands of decisions to make. And if you're led by the Spirit of God, and you can look back and it's such a witness that God led you. Real quick, we got to go. Uh, number four, we measure the frequency of guidance. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Steps, steps, every step. And I want to say this, you ought to know that every step is guided by God. And the only way you know that is that you ask God to guide every step. Not every day, every step. Not every month, not every year. Not every career choice, but I'm talking about every day of your life, every detail, every movement, you say, God, guide me. And he's a God that will guide you and he'll lead you in that way. We've already read Psalms 119, verse 33. 133, number five, you measure the frequency of the Spirit's guidance and more secular and mundane activities. Now, folks, listen, God's interested in your everyday life, and he'll guide you. He'll guide you in things that, that uh, are, is not sinful, but it's not real spiritual either. It's just, you know, like, you know, he'll just guide you in, in everything. And, the, and then when he guides you in those things, like maybe just a phone call on the job, and all of a sudden at the end of that phone call, is somebody that's brokenhearted and reaching out to God and needs help. He'll have a customer come by the store and, and you'll be there and they'll be broken and downhearted and you'll just, uh, you'll just be led to, to go a, a little, little kinder and a little longer and, and a little more helpful to them. God, the Holy Spirit leads you to be just a little more concerned about them and then you find out what they're going through. And then they get saved. And you can say, the Lord guided me on those, on those decisions, those secular, those mundane, those little decisions, those little options on the job. And then number six, after events you, is over, you recognize that God truly guided you. Have you ever done this? 
Have you ever looked back on your day and you saw how God moved? How God used you? I mean, have you ever thought about that? You know, you made that visit exactly the right time that that person was there and you, and you led them to the Lord or you got to witness to them or, or, or whatever happened, you know, you was going down the road and somebody had a flat tire and you, and you stopped and helped them and they got saved. Never forget the story about Curtis Hudson. One time they went out, he went out with a deacon and they went around 285 for hours winning people to the Lord that ran out of gas. And he said he, and he'd, he'd tell the story about shouting and spitting and fogging up the windshield and then they'd see another person was out of gas and they just kept filling up that one can of gas and winning people to the Lord all night long. And it was just that God was having everybody run out of gas on the same night. I mean, it must have been real expensive back then. And Curtis Hutchins tells that story, and you'll just laugh your head off. But it's not, it's not, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's miraculous. And so after an event, have you ever recognized that God truly led you? Truly led you. How about, how about your marriage? You can say, God truly led me to be married to the person I'm married. I'm so thankful. You know, I mean, how God works it out. The right internet page, Brother John. We won't get into that. But, you know, I mean, just, you know, the, the, the you know, a Texan marrying a hillbilly from North Georgia. How in the world did that happen? A transplant from Indianapolis, Indiana. That's God putting them together. And John's been happy ever since. Linda's had to endure it, but John's been happy. Amen. Praise God, you know. And I'm just saying God works all this out. Amen. I'll never forget when I set up uh, Brother Jeremy and his wife back there. He came to uh, revival looking for a wife. He wasn't looking for God. He's looking for a wife. He found a good one, didn't he? Amen. She's very patient. But, you know, and it was a blessing. It was a blessing, you know. And, I mean, he wasn't shy about it. He got her phone number on the first revival service. I think they sat together on the second revival service. Praise God, you know. And, folks, it's just that, you know, he could have said, no, I ain't going to that church. I don't like Wayne Cofield, I don't like Whitfield Baptist Church, but no, God had him walk in that door and meet the love of his life and be used of God through this church. So after an event, look back and say, God, you guided me. The job you have, the blessings you have, it's all being led by God. Last but not least, you measure guidance by the extent to which it becomes your daily lifestyle. Every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Every step guided by the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. If I wasn't a Christian during this pandemic, I would be a nervous wreck. I would be, I'd be so scared of getting this stuff. I'd be so suspicious and I'd be so distant, I wouldn't be good for nothing. I mean, I, I couldn't even minister. I wouldn't even show up to church. Folks, if I was lost... I'd be afraid to die. And you know, folks, I'm not trying to rush it, but I'm going to tell you something. we got a heavenly home waiting for us. And folks, God leads us through stuff like this for us to shine and to be on the platform of stuff. Everybody says, well, watch this church split now. Watch this church go down the pot now. Watch this church divide and argue now. Watch this church fall apart now. Watch us never have Sunday school now. And I, I, I rebuke that kind of negative attitude. You hadn't seen nothing yet. Praise God, we got two, two, uh, four visitors tonight. That's a, that thrills my heart on Wednesday night. And folks, I believe people will come back uh, better than ever when this is over. 
You say, I don't think they'll ever come back. Well, you can just be negative if you want to. I have faith in God that God's going to use this if we stay together, love each other, encourage each other, and that we survive it. But I ain't just surviving. I'm taking new ground. Amen? That we're not holding the fort. We're taking more ground. We're not just going to stop. We're going to have more ministry, new, new ministries. And folks, we need to measure your guidance by the extent to which it becomes your daily lifestyle. Now, let me just say the encouragement of Psalms 23, and I won't get into it. I'll, maybe I'll preach it next week. It's, it's a relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a responsibility that he, to the sheep that he'll, I shall not want. And he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his nature. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He promises me provisions. He promises me a path. He promises me his presence. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Hebrews 13, 5 says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it and close it right now, because I said oh, we're going to walk out here at 8.15. I mean it. If you're not led by God, he's moving. He's doing great things. He's doing more things than you'd ever believe through this, all this stuff that he's allowed. But are you moving with him? See, God's not stagnant. and We shouldn't be stagnant. and We shouldn't be wavering around and shopping around and and uh, wandering around as sheep that's gone astray. We need to be as close to the shepherd as possible and let him lead us because his presence is enough. His path is enough. His promise is enough. And we have a responsibility to follow the shepherd. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for both messages. And thank you, dear Lord, for the beautiful privilege it is to yield to you. And Lord, thank you that we can evaluate our life by our guidance and who is our guide. And God forbid that we depend on just the politicians and the president, even the CDC and all the other authorities. God, we need to depend on you. Lord, I know there's some people that are praying that are in great pain tonight. And I pray to God that you'd comfort them and help them and intervene and bless and heal God, there's many people that are wandering in depression and wandering in deception and wandering in sin. And there are sheep that's gone astray. And the shepherd is crying out, coming to me. Take up my cross. Die to self. Forsake yourself. And follow me. And Lord, I'm glad I'm so glad it's not a Marine sergeant that's going to try to rule our life, but it's a loving Father that has a plan for our life. And Lord, perfect peace for our life. And even power of the Holy Spirit for our life to follow and be like you. With every head bowed, every eye closed tonight, and I do this every service, but I want to extend this invitation. Have me say, preacher, I know I'm saved. I know that if I died today, I'd go to heaven because Jesus went all the way to the cross for me and died in my place. And I'm so thankful that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand as a happy testimony of that all over this place? I'd be glad you're saved, saved. Man, I just don't know what I'd do without being saved. 
I don't think I could bear this. And I surely couldn't die because I'd never live in heaven. Several could not raise your hand, and I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not going to point anybody out. I'm not going to approach anybody. But I'm going to do the most I could ever do for you. I want to pray for you because I love you. I thank God the Lord sets up amazing situations for people to hear the message of the gospel of salvation. The death, the burial, and the resurrection is all you need. You'd say, Preacher, I'm not saved, and I need His guidance. I need, his, I need his leadership. I need his power. And I certainly need his peace. And I pray that you'd pray for me and I'd be saved before it's too late. Would you slip your hand up real high and then back down? And I want to pray for you. Anyone? Thank you enough of your own soul to say, Preacher, remember me. Anyone? I'll not come to you and I'll point you out in any way. I want to pray for you. Thank you enough of your own soul to say, Hey, I need this salvation. I need this Savior. I need some leadership. I need some peace. Anyone else? Anyone else? Have me say, preacher, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. But I want to be, I want to be sensitive to his leadership. I want him to be the shepherd of my soul, and I want him to lead me in every step of my life, because I know it's ordered of God. And I want to be right in line with what God wants in my life and for my life. And I want to be used for his glory. And I know I cannot do that by being wayward and, and wandering, but I need to be as close to the shepherd as I can be because somebody thinks I'm the best Christian they know. And I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up real high for prayer? God bless you. You singles here, God bless you. What important decisions you have to make. God bless you, ma'am, and God bless you. Thank God for your attention. Thank God for your listening. Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, in Jesus' name and for your glory, we pray that you'd use this message for the salvation of souls and God also for we Christians. Lord, just depend upon you more. To lean on you more. To get as close to you as we can. And God, to hear your voice and be sensitive, not oversensitive, and not critical and not rebellious, but sensitive in a good way to yield to your voice, to your leadership, to your word, to your will. God, I pray that you'd save the souls that need to be saved in this room tonight. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help them to come back and get on the sound of the gospel because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We thank you, dear Lord, that we're in the last times. All this malignant disease and perilous times is a sign of the time. Lord, we know you're coming soon and we're going to be out of here. So, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't put it off too long. And so, Lord, help we Christians to be measuring our life by how submissive we are to the shepherd. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.